Hello, and welcome back to About This Writing Thing, the bi-weekly podcast about living the writing life. I am your host, novelist Sayward B. Eller, and I am thrilled to have another writer in the proverbial booth with me today. I hope that you will all join me in welcoming debut indie author Jennifer Craven to the show. Welcome to the show, Jen. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I am so glad that you could join. I did an intro for you, and I let the listeners know that you just released your debut, Best Years of Your Life, and I do have it back here in the background since I have to have yes, a copy. I know. <laughs> I know. She's only less than two weeks old. A week and a half. She's I, baby. How exciting is that? And I have I have really been paying attention to how you're marketing, and I've, I looked on your Amazon page, and... Like, I watched a TikTok about how to do that, um, the way that the publishers do when they list a book Uh on Amazon. So, I saw yours, and you've done exactly that. And so, I'm I'm trying to watch and learn from people because, you know, I have two releases coming out next year. So, I'm trying to learn from all of you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. And, And same. I mean, I'm constantly watching what other people are doing and seeing, you know books that I've read, I'll go to their page and see how it's formatted, see how, you know, the description is set. Um, and a lot of that indie authors can do as well, you know, so the A plus content and, you know, Canva is amazing to make graphics and all that kind of stuff. So it just takes a little time. It just mm-hmm. takes a little research, but totally doable. I highly recommend Canva Pro and I'm sure that you do too. Most, most writers that use Canva, I mean, it is, an invaluable resource. $13 a month is like the, I would never complain about that for Canva. Yeah, definitely. And I actually have quite a bit of Adobe experience too. So, um, which I know is an expensive software for a lot of people to be able to purchase, but if they do have access to it and have some, you know, knowledge of it, those can be super helpful for even cover design or just any sort of graphics. Um, I love Adobe programs. Now, did you do your interior formatting or did you have someone else do it? I did it all, girl. This was 100% me. I was like a one-woman show. (laughs) And let me tell you, I, you know, did tons of research. I was reading. I was watching YouTube videos. I was trying to figure out, you know, I guess maybe it was like my stubborn Irish, you know, nature um, saying, I want to be able to do all this. But so it was partly me like, I don't know, learning and wanting Recording to stopped. challenge myself, but also, you know, I, I guess just for the experience of it, to be able to say once this book was out that, you know, I did it all myself. Not that there's anything wrong with hiring out, like that's in a lot of ways smart, you know, if you know that you're, you know, a little bit not as efficient in a certain area, that's not your expertise, then like, of course, get someone to do it. But I was pretty confident that I would be able to figure most of it out. Fantastic. And I already told you that I'm going to be asking you tons of questions as I go through the process. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's the thing about the author community is that everyone is very open to helping and answering. I had, you know, definitely several people that were my go-tos for asking questions like, what did you do here? Or how did you do this? You know, it's just not, not that that's like the, the only way to do something, but it's just good to kind of gather information of, of like options that are out there. Perfect. Now, we've kind of jumped ahead a little bit. I hadn't intended on going into all of that yet because what I really want to do first, so we may circle back around, (laughs) but what I want to do first is 
how long have you been writing? And also tell the listeners what you write. Sure. So I've been writing for as long as I can remember. I mean, way back into school, I loved English class. I loved, you know, writing essays, that kind of stuff. But professionally, I would say probably about eight years ago, I started with personal essays and I'd had a good success in placing them in places like the Washington Post, Huffington Post, um, all of those sorts of things. And most of them were centered around parenting, motherhood, because that's where, you know, I was living and breathing with three small kids, et cetera. So everything from the funny and humorous and sarcastic at Scary Mommy to like serious topics, you know, at some of the more serious outlets, um, that's kind of where I got my start. And it wasn't really until about three years ago that I sort of made the pivot to fiction. And I think just being a lifelong reader, I just sort of thought, I wonder if I could do this. And, you know, they say a lot of people have that goal in their head of like, I want to write a book someday, but how many people actually do it? So that's sort of where, you know, I got the the start. And once I finished my first book, it was like I was bitten by a bug and was like, wow, this is totally what I want to be doing. This is a huge passion of mine. And it, I just really haven't stopped since then. Perfect. And you write women's fiction. Right. So my first two novels were historical. And the first one was really like a family project. It's um, kind of like a fictionalized biography of one of my relatives who lived lived this really amazing life. And then I thought maybe I would stay in that historical realm. And it wasn't until this third book where a story popped into my head and it was very modern, very contemporary. And I wrote it, fell in love with it. And I feel like this is where I'll probably stay in the contemporary area. Okay. And did you write your historicals under a pen name or did you write them under Jennifer Craven? I wrote them under Jennifer Craven. And at that time I thought, I want to be, you know, taken seriously and I should use Jennifer and that's my, you know, official formal name. And then with this third book, I was sort of like, I'm just Jen, you know, that's what people, most of the people call me and know me as, and I just wanted to feel more authentically myself. Um, and definitely, you know, I love Jennifer's a beautiful name, but I just wanted to go with Jen. So that's kind of where I am now. I completely understand. I feel like I have to use a pen name for my historical, but I just, I try to be transparent and just try to be me with everything that I do. So it's been a little difficult to, to say, okay, I'm going to do this under a pen name. And because my contemporary brand is of course handled by my agent and, and she was like, you know, it's probably best to do it under a pen name. And I agree because I understand where she's coming from. But it was really difficult for me to finally say, yes, I'm going to write this other brand under a pen name because I do want to be just very authentically me. And I think it's really yeah. important to not put, because so much of what we see on social media and from celebrities, and not that I'm ever going to be a celebrity, but so much of what we see is fake. And I just think it's so important to be who we who we are an authentic person. Right. So yeah, no, I agree. And I definitely think that there is like a fine line for authors of, I get the whole like branding and that's what customers come to know you as. Um, so there is like a part of that, but you know, it is nice to be able to cross genres if that's something that interests you. Pen names, you know, they work in a lot of cases, but you know, I think like once a reader finds you and likes you, then they'll stick with you no matter what you write. Absolutely agree. <laughs> What is, um, what made you self-publish? Because from what I understand, 
you were seeking agent representation with this, with best years of your life, were you not? Yes. And what yes, made you... I I initially thought that I wanted to go the traditional route. I sort of had it in my head that this was the best way to do things and the most legitimate and, you know, all of those sorts of, I guess, false narratives. Um, and so I started out, I, I finished, you know, writing, editing, beta reading, all of that kind of stuff, and then queried. And I was doing really well with querying. I had lots of bites. Um, I had the full manuscript out with several agents and, you know, quite a bit of excitement about that. And I let it go on for a couple months, but the entire time, like my gut was telling me that it just wasn't the right choice. And it's hard to pinpoint exactly why, because, you know, on the outside, it looked like everything was going right. And I feel like some people might've said, you're just being impatient. You're just not waiting long enough. Or, and that really wasn't it. It was really a lot of other factors, um, the control, the uncertainty, and it just wasn't really meshing with me and my personality. So I felt like really staying true to what was going to make me happy in this moment with this particular project. Um, my gut was telling me to pull it, pull it all back. And so that's what I did. I contacted those agents. I withdrew my submissions and decided to go indie. And so I um, made a full pivot and went that way and was very happy with my choice. Still am very happy with my choice. And I, I, I leave it open to possibility in the future for future books. I could see myself potentially querying again or just staying indie. Like I'm just very open and I feel like it's a project to project sort of thing. Do you, I know a lot of, um, indie authors and I mean I know a lot of traditional traditionally published authors who are still working full-time do you still yes. have a day job oh my gosh yes um I don't really know very many authors or any that I like know personally personally who don't have some sort of either part-time or full-time day job because it's very hard to make a full living as an author um you know, even the ones who you think like make all these lists, bestseller lists and, and that kind of stuff, you know, unless you're like a John Grisham or a Kristen Hanna and that kind of stuff, you know, but that's, that's very rare. Mm -hmm. So yes, I do work, um, mostly as a writer still. So I do a lot of copywriting. I work with lots of different clients, um, little jobs over the years, longer stretches with different brands and companies, but doing a lot of copywriting for them for online websites, uh, product descriptions, e-com, all of that sort of stuff. Very cool. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I, um, I've, over the years, I've always spoken to my, the, the people in my writing circle. And, you know, I, I actually was fired from my full-time job in 2018. So my husband was like, just stay home and try to make this writing work. And sure. so far, monetarily, it has not. <laughs> so I think it's really important to let writers know that this just because you publish your book you self-publish your book or just because you sign with an agent it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to leave your job overnight if right. i didn't have my husband i would be working full-time probably oh, for definitely. years and years to come so i do know a couple of writers who have left their full-time employment one because they are making a sustainable living as a fiction writer but um the other because they have the same kind of situation that I have where their husband said, okay, 
why don't you see if you can make this work and see if you can make this. And then you hear other best-selling authors who say, even when you are making the money, if you make the money, don't, don't leave your job because as writers, we need to have that, that kind of, um, we need to be around people so that we can get those life experiences because we spend so much time at the computer that we don't, you know, if we don't go out and do something, then we don't have the experiences and the, we don't hear the communications and all that stuff so that we can actually write believable things. (laughs) Right. Right. The way I look at it too, is that I do my day job to help fund my book publishing because it's not cheap to bring a book to market if you're going to do it yourself. And, um, you know, so you have to have some sort of funds there in some way, shape or form. So it's sort of like my rationale or my means to an end kind of, philosophy understood and I am I am trying to find full-time work myself so that I can fund my (laughs) my writing stuff so I totally totally get it and I think it's really important that because we don't have these conversations very often so I see all of these young authors these baby writers that are like I can't wait to quit my full-time job. When did you get to quit your full-time job? And, and, and I'm just like, guys, that shouldn't be the focus. Just, just do the writing. And if it comes about that one day you get to quit your job, that's great. But otherwise just resign yourself to the fact that you are working in the arts and the arts doesn't pay. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You, I don't know any writer who's doing this for the money, to be honest. They, they're, writing because they love it because it's their passion and part of you know who they are as a human being so that's that's you know it's a good reminder to myself too yeah absolutely and I you know I did it before I was fired I would sit at my desk and romanticize it and be like I could be writing right now but then when I went full-time involuntarily I realized that most of the time you're not spending writing anyway. You're spending doing admin stuff. You're spending doing the the emergency stuff that creeps up because you're the one at home that can deal with it. And, you right. you know, it's just when you're a full-time at-home writer, you're not really a full-time writer because all the, all the things in life just kind of, mm-hmm. just kind of come knocking. Yep. <laughs> okay, I hear you on that. <laughs> What is your process like? Are you a plotter or are you a pantser? I'm definitely more a plotter. I feel like I could never be the type to just sit down and say, oh, let's see what happens today and see what comes out of my fingertips. So I definitely like to have an idea of where my story's going. You know, even if it's not fully fleshed out from beginning to end, I generally have to have some sort of sense. And so uh, in the past or for this book, because it was multi-POV, I used a lot of like post-its and Mm -hmm. I would put a different colored post-it for each character. And then I had, you know, a big whiteboard and I put them on my whiteboard and then could move them around, you know, as post-its if if I needed to add a chapter or or this and that. And that gave me like a really clear vision, almost like um, an aerial sort of snapshot of, you know, the sequence of the book. And for me, I really take comfort in that because I feel like I'm not wasting time. I feel like I'm, you know, going in the right direction and not having to, not that I won't have to revise, but 
I'd hate to have to write all this stuff to then just never use it. And I've, I've heard so many pantsers say that that ends up happening, which again, that approach totally works for some people. But for me, I definitely need a little bit more structure. (laughs) I understand. I'm a pantser. So I, I tend to flail a lot (laughs) because I I do know I'm getting better and better at um, kind of planning in my head. Like, Uh I don't like to write it down. I don't like to make these big outlines, but I've gotten better and better over the years of keeping things straight in my head and having, which is probably why I can't follow a conversation anymore because I have so much up here that I should write down, but it really takes every, it takes it all away from me when I actually write it down. Some, some people just like find the joy in the surprise of the writing and where it goes. And, you know, the whole idea that they're surprised by what their characters do, you know, I've heard people say that and, it might not resonate with me as much because I'm sort of like, well, I decide what my characters do. But that's just, I think, the difference of a plotter versus a pantser's brain. I think so, too. I absolutely do. Now, because you're a plotter, does it make it easier during the revision process for you? Oh, I don't know. I think just I think revisions are tough no matter which way. But I would I would guess that perhaps I would have less to maybe cut out than pantsers just because I feel like maybe I was following more of an outline during the writing stages, but, but who knows? I mean, revisions just, they just take work and there's a lot that goes into it, but it's definitely not my like favorite stage, but <laughs> totally necessary. I uh, see I'm different and me and Carrie talk about this a lot. I'm very much a revision writer, so I kind of thrive during revisions and okay. I have my hardest time during the actual drafting process, but you know, she's kind of, you know, she's a beast when it comes to drafting and uh-huh. she, I mean, she's just on it, <laughs> but me, I'm like, I hate drafting. I hate this work in progress. But then when I get to the second draft and the third draft, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to revise this yeah. and everything's going to be fine. <laughs> it is nice seeing it all come together. Mm-hmm. And I'm very much to a like, my first draft is always too short. I'm, mm-hmm. I kind of like end up filling in a lot of gaps through the second, third, fourth drafts and it fills out the story or I'll layer in more subplots or that kind of stuff. So like my first draft is always, in terms of word count, it's always too short. It would never be like a full novel, you mm-hmm. know, at that length. Um, but I like to just get like that that skeleton plot and then can co- go back and like really weave in the stuff that's going to make it more robust. Absolutely. That's the best part about revision for me is going back through there and really fleshing it out. So I am 100% on board with you. (laughs) (laughs) What are your, because I have been paying a lot of attention to your social media and the things like you do a lot of reels and you do a lot of really uh, just engaging kind of posts like they they really stick out and they're really noticeable so what would be your top tips for someone who is trying to build their audience and trying to reach readers as they're preparing to maybe release a book whether it's indie or traditional I think it's so important to be authentic which you've talked about so I think you know just being yourself, being honest, being vulnerable can really go a long way because social media is 
it shows us the goods of everything and not always the bad. So I, I do sometimes try to highlight frustrations that I'm having or roadblocks or things that were maybe kind of like, you know, when I was querying, I, I would post about like, oh, I got a new full request. But then I would also post about, oh, I got two rejections today. So showing the good and the bad, I think, is important because it makes you more relatable. And then just, I would say, putting your face out there. I know some people are not like super extroverted or they're maybe a little camera shy and people would be surprised to know that I am actually very introverted myself, but I feel like when you're behind the screen, it's, it's easier than in person. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you're going to like film a reel or film a story and just talk to the readers, just trying to tell yourself that they're just people out there who are interested in what you're putting out and you know, it's nice to see the face behind the, the product or the face behind the brand. So that's something that I've gotten a little bit more comfortable with over the last like year or two. But tips, tips wise, I would just say um, posting when you feel like you want to, not making it a chore, not making it a job. Like I don't ever feel the pressure to like, I haven't posted in X number of days. I just, I post when I feel like it and I'm not concerned about um, number of followers or this, that, because I feel like it's definitely a quality over quantity sort of situation. That is fantastic advice. That's kind of how I approach it as well. Like I was trying to post every single day, but now I I think I entered some sort of burnout. So yeah, I was like, definitely. you know, I'm just not even going to worry about it. I'm just going to post whenever I feel like it. And it, sometimes yeah. I'll surprise myself and it'll be like two or three days and I'll go on Instagram and I'll be like, oh, have I not been, have I not been on here for three days? So. Right. And right now, like, because my book just launched, I am like, I feel like I'm very present on social and because I just have so much content to post, whether it's book signings or announcements, or I'm reposting a lot of reviews and this and that. And there are times when I felt like, oh my gosh, people are going to get sick of seeing me. They're going to get sick of hearing from me and you know, whatever. But I think I keep reminding myself that no, I am trying to sell a product and, you know, I can't be ashamed or embarrassed or whatever. It's just, you know, if people don't like it, they can easily scroll past and, and the people that do enjoy it will enjoy it. So I know it's, it can be a little bit social heavy right at launch and, you know, leading up to and leading after launch. But I, I know that will kind of like die back down again and, you know, be perhaps a little bit less overwhelming. Totally agree. And since you are self-publishing, what would be, and we did already touch on this, but what would be your, your best tips or your best advice that you would give to someone who is considering going the self-publishing route instead of traditional? I would definitely say, first and foremost, make sure that it feels like the right decision for you. And I feel like you should kind of tune out what everyone else is saying and doing and do what your gut's telling you. And if that is to self-publish, then go all in. Uh, and so that's what I did. I spent time researching, doing my due diligence to find out how to go about it the most professional way, um, making sure your book's in like the tip-top quality. So it's been edited, it's been, you know, proofread, all those sorts of things take your time because obviously anyone can like throw a book up on Amazon today, but you know, that's not going to help you as an indie author. And that's certainly not going to help the stigma of self-publishing. So in order to try to put out a, a quality professional looking book, I think you really do need to like take a step back, 
do a lot of research, um, get your ducks in a row, get a timeline, get, uh, you know, sort of like an agenda. So mm-hmm. I, my, once I decided to pivot and go indie, I had about, I think five, four or five months, um, at, until at the date that I picked to publish. And I know in the traditional scheme, that's like nothing people, yeah. you know, publishers spend a year or two or more to market a book before it launches. And, and then there's also indie authors who put out a new book every four weeks. Yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of felt like that was like a nice balance and it felt like it fit for me. It, it gave me enough time to kind of reach out for blurbs and to do some uh, initial marketing and set things up how I wanted, but it wasn't too stretched out where I was just sort of like twiddling my thumbs. So for me, the timeline really worked. Fantastic. Well, we are out of time, but I do want to just thank you so much for agreeing to come on and chatting with me. I've started reading the book. It's fantastic so far. I have two arcs that I need to read, though, so I've had to put it to the side until I finish those. But Yes, um, no, I totally understand. I'm really enjoying it right now. Well, I enjoyed it when I started it, and I will enjoy yes. it again, I'm sure. But... Um, For those who are unfamiliar with you, do you want to, I'll put it in the description box as well, but where can they find you? So I'm definitely most active on Instagram. That's where you'll find me most often. Um, I do have a Facebook page that I try to kind of, you know, tune in and post things there occasionally. I'm new to TikTok. I'm still figuring it all out, but I'm there as well. But mostly on Instagram, um, and I love connecting with new readers and author friends. So super friendly, like, you know, follow me, I'll follow back and, you know, connect and, and I love it. Yeah, it's great. Perfect. Well, I'll be sure to put the information in the box so that they can find you on social media and also so they can find your book and buy it, hopefully. <laughs> yep. And all the links too are on my website, which is um, jencraven.com. So you can find out a little bit more about me there as well. Perfect. All right. Well, I am going to say thank you again and wish that you have a great day. And I'm sure that I'll talk with you via message at some point today. (laughs) Yes, thank you so much for having me. This was so awesome. Bye, Jen. Bye. That's all I've got for you today, guys and gals, people. (laughs) Just to give a quick update about my own writing, I am still working on revisions for the novella that will be released next year and I'm waiting on beta reads to come back for my historical which is also releasing next year. I do have a call with my agent next week about the work in progress for my contemporary brand so we'll see how that goes but otherwise that's all the updates for me this week. I hope that you enjoyed the interview with Jen Craven. As I said during the interview, I will put her information below so that you can check her out and hopefully buy her book. I will tell you that I started it and I am loving it so far. And if you like women's fiction or love women's fiction, I'm sure you will too. All right, uh, we still have quite a few interviews for the season. In two weeks, I will be interviewing Diane C. Braley, whose debut, Silence in the Sound, just came out in August, so look forward to that. Until then, take care and keep writing.